When I think about the complexity of the human experience, I realize quickly that our own experiences are so unique. So naturally, our movement is a reflection of this. Movement is more than just exercise. It's impacted by our mental, physical, spiritual health, not to mention play, culture, sports, science, the arts, and well, basically everything in between. Welcome to the Matters of Movement podcast. I'm your host, Christina Whalen Chabot. Join me in exploring all the things that impact movement and how we can all strive to move better to feel better as I interview movement experts, researchers, and real people who have made big and inspiring changes in their lives by turning to movement and wellness. Thank you for tuning in to the Matters of Movement podcast. Today, I am super excited to welcome our special guest. We have Crystal Butler here. Hi, Crystal. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I met Crystal over a year ago in our You Got This Mama community. And our first meeting was actually in a, uh, in a mastermind. And those masterminds are always so amazing in the sense that they just connect us and connect the people participating. And you end up with this wonderful collection of boss mama besties. And yes. um what's really great about it is that, you know, since we've connected in that environment, I feel like we've just been there to support one another on our journeys, which has been so wonderful. I've been able to watch you develop yourself, develop your business, see all of your dreams. So wonderful. Start off by sharing your bio. Crystal is a certified nutrition coach and co-owner of Get Whole Lifestyle Coaching. Crystal, alongside her husband, is the personal trainer, works with women to help them go from feeling tired and worn out to feeling vibrant and energetic through lifestyle changes in their mindset, nutrition, and daily physical activity. Crystal holds a Master of Science degree in psychology from the University of Phoenix and her certification in nutrition from ISSA. She is married and shares her life with her husband and six children. She cherishes time spent together and just being lazy around the house, cuddling, watching movies and random YouTube videos. Who doesn't? (laughs) She also likes to cook for her family and friends, do yoga in the mornings and spend time at the beach with coffee in her cup and a smile on her face. Crystal reflects on her own journey and hopes to help others achieve the same success. Let's get into the nutrition portion since that is your specialty. You know, I am a big proponent of quality food going in our bodies. So I want to talk a little bit about the importance of fueling our bodies um, to prepare to live our daily lives. What, What are your recommendations around nutrition and eating well? My recommendations are generally to, first of all, eat. Don't starve yourself. Um, I see so many people that think the less they eat, I'm going to lose weight, or the less I eat, the less full I'm going to feel. Your body itself is its own like mechanism for all the triggers. So your body will trigger you when it's hungry. It'll let you know, I've got a headache. I can't, I'm tired. That's telling you, you need more fuel, you need more more nutrition. Um, When you're full, your body actually tells you you're full. And but we're in such a society where we eat to a point of excess, because it's all there in front of us, that we don't pay attention. So first off is eat food, start to realize when your body feels like it's full, when you're starting to feel uncomfortable, and that will then teach you what foods trigger certain like, 
um, situations like digestive upset and, and so forth. I've personally had that situation myself, but the main thing is eat because when you eat, you learn about your body, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I think early on, one of the first things I realized as a, as a young person was that when I ate sugar, my, my mood would just flip. And I would either get really excited and, you know, active and energetic, and then I'd come crashing down, like burning down. <laughs> it was always, always ugly and never a good thing. And so I think it's really important to be able to train ourselves to listen to our bodies. And so many of us, me included, you know, if it's not sugar, it could be other things where I just, I'm just not aware sometimes of what's going on. It's like, oh, I don't feel you know, great today. Well, you know, thinking about what you put in your body, it's yeah. really, really important to understand that stuff. A lot of us don't realize that we have things going on in our system. For me, I grew up in a Hispanic home. So that was lots of rice, lots of bread. Again, we were told, like, I grew up with the idea of you have to clear your plate. Since I was always eating in excess and I was always uncomfortable, I didn't realize what was going on with my body because to me it was normal. But as I got older and as I started to study and I started to focus and not feel so great and wonder why I was so tired and why I was just always uncomfortable, I did more research and I realized, well, I might have a sensitivity to certain grains and certain stitches and so forth. And I decided, well, I'm going to scale it back a bit and see what happened. And the moment I took the grains out, the bread, the, like the processed rice, the processed bread, pastas, all that, it was a switch. Like night and day, I had more energy. I wasn't so cranky and irritable. I wasn't so bloated. And that's kind of actually what fueled me to go into nutrition because I was like, oh, if I can figure this little thing out, then I can figure out so much more and learn how my body works and what to eat, how to eat it. We're, we're not taught that in school anymore, which I think is a shame. We're just force-fed processed foods, McDonald's, Burger King, the like, and we never really learn what's actually good for us. I didn't really have a lot of vegetables growing up. Like I said, it was beans, rice, and protein. So that was a big impact, starting to realize what food did, how they interacted with your digestive system, your neurological system, your circulatory system, and the whole gamut of it. And I realized how important it was just to eat real food, like the aisles, the, the colorful aisles in the grocery store, not the aisles of the boxes and the jars and cans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how was that for you doing that shift into eating vegetables? You know, how did your body handle it? It, it was interesting. <laughs> it didn't like me at first. It was like, um, you're, you're, we're, you're starting to fuel us. So we're, we're, we're punishing you. We're getting rid of everything. So it was uncomfortable. Oh gosh. And then I hated vegetables for a while. Um, I was like, no way am I doing this? I, I know I'm going to feel better, but I don't want to do it. It was like stomach upsets. And then figuring out what vegetables I liked and what vegetables I didn't. Um, like okra, do not give me that. I refuse to eat that. So um, but like, it's like, just it was just a challenge. My palate changed too. I didn't realize it. Now, six, seven years later, 
to me, broccoli tastes so different than when I first started. I love zucchini and squash, pumpkin. Um, I just ordered some Swiss chard. So I'm like so excited to have some more of that, you know, cause it's very rare to like hard to get down here. Mm-hmm. But now I crave vegetables. Whereas before it was, I craved the bread and the pasta, the cookies and the cereal yeah. and stuff like that. Isn't that so it was an interesting transition. Yeah. Like your body craves the good stuff, but if yeah. you're just feeding it junk, it's going to crave the junk. Well, exactly. So of course, because this podcast is about, is about movement, I would like to know more and probably our listeners would like to more about how do we fuel our bodies in preparation for movement? The first thing is everyone's individual. So I can give you a few ideas and then people have to figure out what works for them. Um, I'm the type of person that when I exercise, I tend to exercise first thing in the morning on an empty stomach because that it just, I don't feel so heavy or it's just the way that I just feel more energetic. But after I exercise, I, I feel myself with whole food pro, um, protein sources. So eggs with some sausage and then like either a bowl of fruit or a bowl of coconut granola since I, I don't eat grains I it's just I, we, we already know we it doesn't agree with me um but whole food sources versus like a protein powder or a protein bar or a snack bar you want to replenish the calories that you just burned in a natural healthy way for those that extra like to eat before they exercise or and you know any rigorous activity Again, whole food sources, but in smaller amounts, not in an abundance, because then you'll be uncomfortable and you can actually make yourself sick. Mm-hmm. But again, sticking to fruits and vegetables, not a heavy protein source. And then after the workout or after the movement, take in a protein source. At that time, if you're, you're a more active person and you need like a protein smoothie, I would do something like um, a yogurt with tofu and then your fruits and, and um, vegetables. I love spinach and broccoli, not broccoli, spinach. Uh, what is cucumber? There we go. And celery in my smoothies first thing in the morning, yeah, you know? Awesome. So it's, it's just eating whole foods mm-hmm. for either before or after. Skip the protein powders, skip the protein bars. If you need one of those towards the end of the day, fine. Like, to, you know, cause it's hard to get all the protein in that we require, we, people don't really realize how important protein is. And we don't really get a lot of it into our diets. So then, yeah, you can use like a little powder here and there sporadically as a supplement, but the more whole foods, the better. I remember actually, was it this week or maybe last week you posted, um, it was that post about the protein powder and yeah. about, you know, discouraging people from relying on it too much. Yeah. I've seen countless of people where they're taking a protein powder in the morning and then right after their workout and every single day. And it seems to be the shiny new thing with a lot of these workout programs and quick results. But what ends up happening with those is your body not only has a hard time processing them because many of them are filled with chemicals and fillers that we don't really realize, even though they claim to be natural. But the other issue is that your body forgets to eat. Like your, your brain triggers 
or something um, liquid and filling, but then it's so heavy on your system that you forget to eat the real food, the, the actual fruits and vegetables and the chicken and the egg, or even if you're a vegan or vegetarian, you know, your legumes and everything like that for your protein sources. And they also have issues with the kidneys. They can definitely impact the function of the kidneys because your, your body can't filter them. So I say, if you're going to have it, cause I have some, I'm not going to lie. I have, you know, some protein powders, but it's for like on a day where I'm in a rush, rush to go somewhere. Or I know I've had like an intense exercise where it's one of those days where I have like two hours worth of exercise. Yes. I'll throw in a protein powder because there's no way I'm going to consume that amount of protein that quickly. Um, but they need to be sporadic They're They are a supplement. They are not a replacement. And everybody that markets the meal replacement is scary to me. They scare me because then people just fixate at, Oh, it's a meal replacement. I can have it. And it turns in from one to two to three meals. And then you're causing unnecessary damage to your system. You hit on a really good point with, there's not a lot of shortcuts that you can make in terms of, you know, changing your lifestyle. People have to commit to eating the food the real food, the whole food, like you said, and making that commitment to their movement and finding easy ways to make that work for you. Those are the shortcuts you can find. So what are your, what are your shortcuts? What, what is it that makes it easier for you to eat well and to exercise regularly? Well, living with the personal trainer, that kind of helps me exercise regularly. But honestly, it's, carving out time in my schedule every day. I make it an appointment for myself. This is important. Whether it's 30 minutes of yoga, which that's pretty much every day you'll see me doing yoga regardless. Um, Whether it's 30 minutes of yoga or planning out my weight training, planning out my cardio training, I organize everything so I know what to expect. I'm a generator by design, so I, I need my structure and I need my organization. So that's how it works for me. And when it comes to eating healthy, I meal plan. I don't meal prep because there is a difference. Okay. And what is I, that difference? So meal prep is where you prep your food in advance. And so it's quick pull and go. What you meal plan is where you plan certain meals throughout the day, like throughout the week where, and you account for like leftovers to use in another um, recipe and stuff like that. So you, you have all your recipe, like you, you know, where you're going to a restaurant where they meal plan the menu. It's the same thing. You create your menu for the week. Uh, that way I avoid getting bored of the same food because if, when I meal prep, it's the same thing for seven days. I, I can't, it's like, uh, ugh, disgusting. <laughs> so but for me, and then it makes it fun because you'll go through recipe books. I look at blogs and, and, and find different ideas and recipes and try new things, which in turn expands my palate, expands my exposure to different foods and different vegetables. Um, so that's for me, that's how it's quick. I plan it. I sit down with my husband. We, we put the grocery list together and we're like, yeah, that, that recipe sounds cool. Let's put it on the list. And it just makes it easier. That way it's less thinking. And then snacks, always fruits or vegetables. Um, don't get me wrong. I have my occasional Dove dark chocolate bar because, you know, you need to live a little. <laughs> um, and But even my snacks are like healthier. Uh, coconut ice creams, stuff like that, where it's quick little things, but I know that they're not going to hurt me. And I can have that little given moment to have my craving. 
Yeah. And then water, water all day, every day. Yes, of course. So yeah, it did not happen overnight. It was, there was times where I'm like, I want the bag of chips and the bag of cookies that the kids get to have, but no, I, I, I need to eat that instead. And it's just retraining myself. But the cool thing is the kids watch and they see me as an example. So they're like, okay, mom, can I have, you know, the turkey wrap instead of the fruit roll up exactly, and, yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. What I love about your business with your husband is that you are addressing three really important things. One being the nutrition, the other being the physical, physical activity and the other being the mindset. Now, this is a two-part question. <laughs> and for those who are unfamiliar with the role of mindset in our daily lives, how would you describe it? And what role do you feel it plays in our movement experience? Um, I would describe mindset just in our pattern of thinking. If you have a positive mindset, you look at the world in a more positive light. Look at your experiences in a more positive light. If you have a limiting or negative mindset, you forget to see the good around you and you just focus on the the negative. Um, That's kind of like high level way of it. When it comes to movement, your mindset is huge because if you go into any form of activity, whether it's going to be Pilates, it's going to be yoga, running, swimming, If you go into it thinking it's a chore or a must do versus a I get to do, it makes it harder to want to do it. If you look at it in the sense of I get to do this, like I'm blessed that my body will move. It might hurt me for a couple days because my body's not used to it, but my body can move versus other people who don't have the same abilities as us and then don't get to move. So it's like, it's like taking in gratitude for the ability to move, the gratitude for the ability to take that time out of your schedule to focus on your health. Um, gratitude just for the ability to connect with other people that are in the same realm of thinking and improvement. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a triathlete or go you know, swim in the Olympics against Michael Phelps. But it puts you in the mindset that I can do this versus I can't. So many people, especially those who are not regular movers, can develop this negative kind of outlook on movement and will package it in a way to make it feel as though it's impossible or they can't do it or they don't have the time. And I remember last year, I don't know what it was, but I I felt like I was faced with so many people who would literally stand right in front of me when we were standing in front of people (laughs) before COVID. And they would tell me that they couldn't do either do my classes or they couldn't make time for movement. And I just remember feeling really sad for them in those moments, because I was like, thinking about how capable they were as human beings in every aspect of their life, every other aspect of their life, and and thinking, you know, if only we could change this mindset, you know, and show them and share with them that they, of course, they can, 
course you can do this, you know? So what do you say to people like that? For that situation, I kind of tell them, I go take an inventory of how you spend your day. Mm -hmm. Just how long, how, how often are you scrolling through Facebook? How often are you sitting down to watch Netflix? How often are you just doing randomness? And they're like, oh, wow. Okay, I can fit it. I'm like, you don't have to switch everything immediately. How about if you're watching a TV show and there's a commercial break? Well, during the commercial, march in place. Start to move your body. Um, if other people who just have a really busy work life, which I get, I, it's, we all have that. How about wake, start waking up 10 minutes earlier just to stretch? You know, finding little pockets of time is possible, but you need to look at where, where you're currently putting your time in and where you're currently putting in your effort. And then realize, is my health more important than married at first sight? <laughs> you know, sometimes hey, those episodes can get pretty cool, but the cool thing about Netflix is you can come back to it later. It, it's going to be there. Yeah. Um, but your health isn't always going to be there. That's right. So that has to be the part. And I try to drill it into people that way. I'm like, we can start with small pockets of time and little by little grow them. Because what ends up happening is once you start small, it becomes addictive. It's like a tattoo. You start with one tattoo, you want a thousand. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> me included. But uh, so it's kind of like that. It's like where it, it starts off that little feeling that the, the endorphin rush that you get it's like oh I, I want more of that it's a natural drug to your body it's what our body craves when our endorphins are at the highest we are at our peak performance we're able to focus we can engage with people we're a lot nicer I can attest to that myself because there are times where I wasn't the nicest the person but you know it's, it's it's that kind of energy and once you grab it you're you're going to run with it. And I tell people that I'm like, try it for a week. Just try it. If you hate it after a week, okay, then that's it. You know, I'm yeah. not going to push you, but yeah. make the effort. And yeah. if you like that little happiness feeling that you're getting, we can increase it and little by little. And it's, I, I put it all in their hands, but I try to shift the perspective of the way that they look at it. Again, it's all mindset. I agree. I think one of the biggest things as a mom and as a mom to to littles is that you really do only have those little pockets of time, you know, and they're so important to be able to use wisely. You know, sometimes, yes, you do need to just sit down using those 10 minute little intervals, even five minute intervals, I think are hugely important. It's something that, um, I did a challenge during the first YGT Mama Mastermind where I did the 10-minute workout challenge. So I provided these little 10-minute videos for people to do. And I did a, like a little mini research study at the end to determine for those who participated for the whole time, I think it was four weeks, you know, how they felt after. And everybody, there were so many improvements in areas of, of, of their lives that I never even anticipated like better sleep, you know, better mood. Some people were feeling less pain in their body. Like it was just wonderful. And it wasn't even daily. They only had to do it 10 minutes, three times a week. (laughs) So it was really cool just to see how that impacted these women. And 
the other thing I was thinking about in terms of mindset is sometimes, you know, you get up and you really don't want to do that workout or you're feeling really miserable. Maybe things are not going great in your life and, you know, you're feeling kind of down in the dumps and the last thing you want to do is exercise. But my recommendation usually is that the most important thing you do at that moment is exercise. Yes. A hundred percent. It's, it's Mel Robbins, five second rule. One, two, five, four, three, two, one, get up and move. Like, yeah, think about it, do it. Cause once you're doing it, you're feeling better. Yeah. You know, it's the endorphin. It's, it's that rush that our brain needs. It's the happy chemical. And it's so important to just, when you don't want to do it is the most, is the time you need to do it. That's a must at that moment. And I think there's just, you know, there's this shift of, of energy in the body that is so crucial to our mental health. Anyone who has children and you see them kind of getting squirrely in the house, the first thing I do is just get out, just get outside and start moving. And 100% of the time, everybody feels better after. It's a quick fix. It's amazing what it can do. Yeah, just just open the door, go, run. Yeah. You, you've got this. Um, it, it's kids are amazing. And the amount of energy that they have, they need to release it, they need to get up and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I had like half the energy of, of, of my children at this time. It's, you know, and then because what ends up happening is as they get older, that energy starts to drain down a little bit, just like as we get older, we, we lose that energy. You want them to start creating those healthy habits early and movement. So yeah, get up, go run around, go do jumping jacks. Yeah. You're watching Dora. Perfect. Yeah. Jump while you're watching Dora. You got this. Come on, let's go. Let's go. But That's yeah, definitely. Yeah. Get them out and get them moving. It's, yeah. it's good for their minds. It's good. Yeah. For, and you know what? It gives you that moment to pour your cup of coffee. Well, that too. But it's also, as much as it's good for the kids, we also have energy that we need to shift, right? It's, it's good for the adults too. Yes. Even and unless you want to take a, just a quick break and pour yourself a, co- a cup of coffee, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Cause like I used to be the type where I had to have coffee first thing in the morning. Like don't even think about brushing my teeth. It's like wipe the crusties out of my eyes and pour the cup of coffee. Now I do not allow myself to have a cup of coffee until I've had my two glasses of water my workout is done and I've had at minimum a fruit and veggie smoothie. I love that. Then I'm, then I'm allowed to have a cup of coffee. It's like, that's my reward for all the hard work in the morning. Oh, good for you. Okay. Let's move on to our next topic, which I think is the most fascinating topic about you. I want you to tell us a little bit more about your story around your hysterectomy. Okay. So as we know I have six children. It, the biggest blessing of my life, I'm not going to lie, like best experience ever. And it actually made me realize that there was something going wrong with my body. I finally started paying attention to my monthly flow more. And as my, when I had my last one, um, my, my, my youngest, so what, 12 years ago almost, things got really bad. She was a C-section. I used to always have heavy periods when I was younger, but they, as you know, the pregnancies came on, they got worse and they got worse. They became debilitating to the point that the pain was excruciating. Um, I 
pads and tampons and uh, all that, you know, stuff just wasn't working. You know, I'd go from, I'd buy a box of jumbos or super maxes or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. And I would go through a box in seven days. It was just so bad. And then finally, when I went into the doctor to go get um, my pap smear done uh, about two years ago, I was like, okay, you know, there's something off. They're like, okay, we'll monitor it. We'll monitor it. Then come, I had such severe pain. We thought it was possibly an appendicitis, went into the hospital and I had my period at the time and they were like, well, this doesn't seem like an appendicitis, but we'll keep monitoring you. We'll keep you overnight. They brought in an, um, an OBGYN and he's like, there's something going on because nothing's showing up for an appendicitis. You're not having any of the real symptoms of it. He did an ultrasound. He did a pelvic ultrasound um, and, or cervical, one of those two, but I forget the medical terms, <laughs> but he determined that aside from ovarian cysts that I had, I have a, had a condition called adenomyosis. And that is similar to endometriosis where in endometriosis, the, um, endometrial tissue grows like on the outside of the uterus and like within, you know, it affects the ovaries, the fallopian tubes. It's, it's very invasive. Adenomyosis is the endometrial lining grows within the walls of the uterus. So it's like big giant blood clots, like, and you can't get rid of them because they're trapped within the muscular walls and that causes all that pain. But then once you're, you're, you're shedding, it's all that blood. So I was like, oh, there's something like, there's a reason for this. I don't have to suffer. And we tried everything. We tried birth control pills. All the ones I tried, I was allergic to. They caused like severe reactions. Um, We tried exercising. We tried hormones. Um, Like just everything under the sun. And we couldn't figure it out. Like we couldn't stop it. We We were like, it's, it's not working. And he brought up the idea of a hysterectomy. And I was like, okay, this is kind of scary. You know, I'm only 35, 36. I, this is, I'm, I'm too young for this. And finally I was like, you know, I'll think about it. Talked it over with my husband. He's like, it's your body. You do what you want to do. I would rather you not be curled up in a ball, you know, four days out of, out of every month. Um, and bleeding for like 10 of them. So, but of course that's his personal preference because you know how men are, but you know, it, it was, what it was, so I took time, time. Then one day I was at work, I got up to go do something and it's like everything rushed out of me to the point I had to beg for someone to bring me a jacket and I had stained my desk chair. Oh, no. You know, it was just horrible. And I was wanted to throw up. I, it was just the worst feeling ever. Um, thankfully it was towards the end of the day. So I was like, okay, I'm going home. And that was it. That was like, I'm not going to keep doing this. This is just not going to be my way of life. So I made an appointment with my doctor. I go, please tell me this is, if this is the only option you have for me. And he's like, well, we can still do, um, the ablation, but he was like, it's not hundred percent guaranteed. And it's going to cause a lot of pain. I'm like, that's it. Screw it. Put the schedule on. I've had my six kids. I'm not having any more kids. I'm doing it. It was for me, a quality of life issue. I was just tired of being 
in pain in not feeling good in just, you know, not being able to move and it, it was debilitating for me. Um, so that was my choice. It was difficult once I signed the paper because then all the mental part came in the, am I not good enough now because I'm not a woman? Um, the sobering fact that I could never have kids again, even though I didn't want any more. It was just that identity part of, oh, wow. But then, you know, another period came before my surgery and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm this. I got, you know, I did all the, the work. I had support groups. I um, talked to other women and helped, you know, worked out those things. And even on the day of the procedure, I still kind of had that, oh my God, am I really doing this? Am I really doing this? But then it's like, yes, it's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for you. Even after it, I still did the, oh my God, oh my God, I did this, but best decision I've ever made. I feel human. And that's all that matters is I feel human. I'm, I'm, I'm alive. Yeah. Your quality, your quality of life has obviously improved dramatically. A thousand times over. Yeah. And don't, you have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but does uh, getting a hysterectomy then trigger menopause? It can, depending on the type of hysterectomy that you have. So you have um, a total or a partial. Okay. I did not have a total. I still have my ovaries. Okay. Uh, A couple, a few years before the hysterectomy, I did have one of my tubes already removed. Okay. uh, Because it was, um, when I had my tubes tied, that tube actually, one of them actually kind of went and like attached itself to my uterus. So it was causing a lot of pain. So they just took it out at that time. Um, But then now when he went in, he took out the uterus, he took out the cervix and that remaining tube. Yeah. Um, Some people have the cervix, the the cervix remain, but the issue with that is it still still contains some of the endometrial lining and can spark uh, periods again. They're called baby periods, but they're really small but it can, uh, I told him, I just get rid of it all. Just get it and take it. <laughs> you know, it's, I know it's not the easy decision for a lot of women and some women, you know, I've been blessed that I was able to have children. Mm-hmm. Some women with adenomyosis and endometriosis cannot have children. And that yeah. like breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, so it's a harder decision for them to make. Yeah. But for me, it was a little bit easier because I already had my kids it was time for me to live my life and just live, not be curled up in a ball in pain all the time. Yeah, exactly. So what was your recovery like after? Uh, painful. Okay. Not going to lie. Um, it was funny because based on the way that your body, like the way you lift your legs, you would never think it. And I lived in a, two-story townhouse that was on the second level. So just to get to my main level, I had to walk upstairs. So I'm walking upstairs backwards. So that was just hilarious in in and of itself. Um, The bloating, because, you know, and the bloating has nothing to do, I think, with the procedures because they put like all that gas to kind of open you up. Okay. You know, and expand your belly. It's done laparoscopically for the most part. Um, so then you're just like all bloated and the gassing 
shifting through your body that hurts, like comes up to your shoulders and you're like, oh my God, it hurts, I'm dying. Um, but then your movement also is impacted because the more you move, then your belly starts to swell. I, I looked like I was like seven, eight months pregnant every, you know, depending on how much I moved. Oh my gosh. And then it felt weird because it, like there was something missing. So like if I turned over in bed, it, it just felt funny. So I slept with like a belly binder for a while um, just to kind of keep everything together. Um, and then it was so funny. Like the doctor finally, like four months later cleared me. He's like, you're good to go. You've got this. I'm proud of you. And we went to a trampoline park. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I, we were jumping and not a lot because, you know, I'm just, it's just not me. And we got back to my friend's house and I'm like, oh, my stomach hurts. I look, went to the bathroom because I'm like, okay. I looked in the mirror, huge swollen belly. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, trampolines are out. <laughs> so I've become more mindful about the things I do and the way that I move my body mm-hmm. um, because I don't have that organ there that's stopping my other organs from shifting. That's right. You have to be so careful with prolapse between bladder prolapses, like intestinal prolapses, all that stuff can come out the hole. Right. It can. (laughs) So it it didn't register until Mm -hmm. I had the trampoline effect. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't be superwoman anymore. So I've, I've been more cautious about the exercises I do and I still believe I'm in recovery. I think I'll be recovering for the next five years because it's such a big piece of right. of anatomy that's gone. Right. Um, and everything's still shifting around. So I'm learning more things about my body, how I can move it, what feels good, what doesn't. I was terrified at first to do squats. You know, now I know, okay, if I'm going to do a squat, it's kind of be a little bit more narrow than a sumo squat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it definitely impacted how I exercise for sure. Right. Um, and how is that? It's a lot more mindful, slower movements. Okay. Um, I like, like the squat is the main thing because mm-hmm. you're shifting. Um, if pelvic and crunches and, and ab workouts, I can't do because again, it gives that same sensation of pushing. So now it's a lot of leg lifts, a lot of oblique twists. Um, thank God for yoga and Pilates because yeah. it helps. I can't do planks; those aren't good for me. Yeah, you know. But then it's just instead of I'm doing a plank, it's like a modified plank. I'm on my knees versus in full plank position. Um, so it's just like that. It's just making little adjustments to finding what feels good with my body right? and finding what connects and listening to it. I'm a big proponent of that. Listen to your body. It's, it's going to tell you what it needs and it's going to tell you what it doesn't need. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm discovering more and more each day and the more exercises I put in, the more, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, this works abdominally. This doesn't. Um, this scares me, so I'm not going to do it, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. So a lot of core workout in the sense of building the pelvic floor right. and, and that work, you know, just to, you know, keep that strength there. 
at some point I'll, I'll recommend uh, the listeners to check out your profile, but you recently put a post out uh, that showed a nice modification for the burpee, which I loved. And now it all makes sense. <laughs> Cause I have back problems or SI joint problems or right. whatever. Nobody was ever able to figure out that out until I decided to take matters into my own hands and work through it and like movement wise and so forth. But I was able to modify an exercise that fit my body the way it needed, publicly wise, back wise. And I still got the same movement, the same sensation as a traditional burpee. Yeah. But people don't know that, that there's a way to modify it. And yeah. my goal is to let you know that you can do it. Yeah. I can do it. You can do it. Yeah. You know, I'm the one, you know, with, with aches and pains and creaks from sports and activities from when I was younger. So we can do this. Yeah. I'm almost 40. We got this. I love the idea of making movement accessible to everybody to every body, every situation, because the more you make it accessible, the more likely people will be able to adopt movement to, to make movement a part of their everyday life. So obviously I love that. Yeah, Can I yeah. ask you a little bit more about your recent injury and uh, you know the issues you were having with your SI and how you turned the corner? A few years ago, I was doing something for a food drive. I was picking up some, you know, canned goods and getting ready to, you know, chuck them into a truck and shift them off. But I pulled something. I was like, oh, okay, I shouldn't have done that. And I just like, oh, it's a pulled muscle. I'll rest it. I'll relax it, which I did. And again, you know, went and did some yoga after I had like healed. And then it was like, it's still hurting it wouldn't get better. I went to a chiropractor. I did some adjustments that got okay, but it just progressively got worse. Like I had to stop exercising for a while because I just couldn't do it. And I'm like, what's going on? And me trying to be superwoman, not wanting to go to the doctor because doctors scare me. Every time I go, I need surgery. <laughs> um, so I kind of put it off until it got to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. And me as a physical person that loves to exercise and loves to move, I'm like, no, this is wrong. My husband's like, yeah. He's like, I've been telling you, but you're going to wait until, you know, you, you, you're dying before you go. Story of my life. So finally, I went to the orthopedist and they did MRIs. They did injections. They're like, it's your SI joint and you have bursitis in your hip and you can't move, you can't exercise, you, you know, just go to physical therapy. I put so much money into this with doctors and physical therapists and injection appointments and cortisone shots and nothing was working. It was just getting worse and I was hating life. Mm-hmm. So I decided, well, okay, what's going on? Cause they did mention arthritis. They said, um, I have inflammation or edema. So I'm like, what can I do? Come out, trusty Google. I did my research and I'm like, natural treatments for, for inflammation. And then I realized it's a lot of food. Yeah. I'm like, wait, that, that's what I do. Food's my thing. How did I not know this? Yeah. I went down the rabbit hole and I changed my diet even more than I had already done. I took out um, inflammatory foods. I've, and I love corn. I stopped eating corn. I stopped eating peppers. 
<clears throat> the um, dairy completely out of my system and just little tweaks to everything that I was eating, I started to feel, you know, better. Then I'm like, okay, I think I can do a little bit of yoga. So then I started to do yoga little by little and I was feeling better and I kept at it and I kept at it to the point I'm like, I can move. My body doesn't hurt. Yeah, It was all me the whole entire time where they're here trying to ship me off now to a, another specialist and pay more money. My body was telling me what it needed the whole entire time. And I did not listen. Yeah. Hello, slap me on the wrist, bad certified nutrition coach. So that's what it was. It was learning to listen to my body. And I changed my diet completely. Again, stuff that I had taken out of my diet, I put back in because realized my body needed it. Um, and I just started moving more so, but more mindfully. So instead of intense strength training and cardio, it was longer bouts of yoga, longer bouts of, of, you know, slow moving Pilates. I tried bar, not for me, but you know, (laughs) it, it was movements and now I can go into pigeon pose and lay there and be comfortable. Whereas before I would cry, I couldn't do a forward fold. Like I hated it. It stopped me from being able to do the things that I loved. Yeah. But I listened to my body. I did my research. And not that I'm healed because I, I have little moments where it hurts, but I can live again. It's all about my quality of life. Yeah. And I did it, you know, and That's I'm amazing. so glad that I did. Well, and I think what's really great about this is that it's not like you decided to take matters into your own hands without having gone to see medical professionals that you did your homework and that you did all the things and you crossed, you know, all the T's and dotted all the I's and really got nowhere, you know? And so you really just then had to turn back inward and just figure it out. And I think that that's amazing. And I think what's really nice about all of that is that it's okay for people to take control of their health you know, and I mean, it's, you're lucky in, in some senses because you have this wonderful nutrition training under your belt. Um, but that doesn't mean that people can't go and either seek your assistance or see some other nutrition coach or nutritionist that can help them with that kind of stuff. So good yeah. for you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I, it's, it, the resources are out there. Mm-hmm. The excuse of I can't is no longer one that I will ever accept from anybody. It's, yeah. I can. There, if, it's, if it's not me, it's you that they can seek help from. It's, you know, the, the lady at the yoga studio. There, there's help out there. Right. And we have to stop thinking in yeah. the negative and go think that there's also a time where our, our, our bodies, I, I keep repeating it like a broken record. Our bodies are telling us what we need. And if we seek out people that are already doing what we want to be doing, Hey, can you give me some tips? The yeah. worst they could say is no. And then you go on to the next person. Yeah, exactly. You know, questions are free mm-hmm. answers, not so much, but you know, just ask the question. If you want more information, you see a post on, on something and that looks interesting do some research the research try that again google you know um just avoid webmd and yeah <laughs> don't become dr google but just you know look at and see um ask people questions it's it's 
there's the answers are there and there's people that know and and can help. I figured it out, you know, and funny enough, like some of your videos, I'm like, Oh, if I can do that, I think I'll feel better, you know? And it's, it's watching other people do stuff and trying. You don't know if it doesn't work until you try it. Exactly. You know, now I'm on a modified forward fold doing yoga, but I'm back to doing yoga. Exactly. Okay. Well, I am going to end this here. Thank you so much for joining me. This was such a wonderful conversation. We touched on so many great topics. Thank you very much for sharing your very personal hysterectomy story. And we'll see everyone on the other side. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening in to Matters of Movement, the podcast. I hope that you learned something new today. I am your host, Christina Whalen Chabot, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Matters of Movement. And if you want to buy a tank top or just check out my website, you can do that at mattersofmovement.ca. In order for our podcast to reach a bigger audience, you can show your support and love by subscribing to reviewing and rating this podcast. See you next time, where we will continue to explore all matters related to movement. 